الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وعلى آله وصحابه ومن استن بسنته إلى يوم الدين All praises due to Allah and may Allah's peace and blessings be on the last Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and on all those who follow the path of righteousness until the last day The topic of this evening, the flag of faith, addresses the core of our faith, the essence of our faith, and how we as Muslims should relate to those concepts which make up the core of our faith. And when we speak about the core, we have to identify that foundation not based on our intellectual reasonings, but based on revelation. Because intellectual reasonings can end, end us in many different areas, with many different conclusions. However, when we're talking about the faith, we have to recognize that what is primary, our primary source of understanding the faith of Islam has to be revelation. And that revelation includes both the Quran and the Sunnah. We make a distinction between the two based on the fact that the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which came to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was recorded as a text or a book of revelation whereas the explanation of that revelation also based on revelation is what constitutes what we call the sunnah. So these are the primary two sources of revelation. What revelation tells us is that the core of Islam the faith of Islam is the belief in Allah's unique oneness, what we call Tawheed. 
And this has been stated in so many different narrations from the companions of the Prophet ﷺ that no Muslim doubts it. This is something we could say unanimously agreed upon. For example, the Prophet ﷺ was reported in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim to have said, مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ اللَّهُ الْجَنَّةِ Whoever says, La ilaha illallah, will enter paradise. You can't get any more basic than that. That's it. Why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not have the Prophet say, Man qala la ilaha illallah, wa Muhammadur Rasulullah, dakhla jannah. Why did he only say, La ilaha illallah? Because, La ilaha illallah was what all prophets conveyed to their people. Muhammad Rasulullah that is what the Prophet was instructed to add to that declaration of faith. But in the time of Prophet Isa, Prophet Musa, and prophets before, they added, they were instructed to add, themselves. La ilaha illallah. Isa Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah. Musa Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah. Adam Rasulullah. So, the core, since the second half of what we call our Shahadatan, the two declarations of faith, the second half varies with each of the Prophets alayhimu salam then we can conclude from that that the core is as the Prophet sallallahu had said man qala la ilaha illallah dakhala jannah however we all recognize that though we say that there is more to it than just that Not everybody who says La ilaha illallah will enter paradise. But somebody could say, well, that's what the Prophet ﷺ said. Whoever says, man, is general, whoever. So why are you saying that it's not everybody? Because the Prophet ﷺ, though he said this, he also said, other things about the Shahada which leads us to conclude that this is a general statement for those who say it including all of the other elements that the Prophet ﷺ included. And <clears throat> if we Look at uh, the other religious groups, Christians, Hindus, etc. We find that their faith, for the most part, 
begins from an emotional perspective. An emotional perspective. In that they are emotionally involved in the faith. Emotional and followed it's followed by intellectual arguments. These are the main two. And it may be preceded by sincerity, deep commitment. Those who are missionaries and, and others for these faiths, we can see with them sincerity in the sense of their dedication to their faith. And behind that dedication, we see an emotional commitment. And in the end, we may find uh, spirituality connected with it as a result of the emotional and <clears throat> intellectual commitments. However, when emotion comes first, it is very easy for people to be deluded. Many Muslims today are emotionally connected to Islam. They are Muslims because their parents were, they were raised, they were told so many times growing up, you're a Muslim. As a Muslim, you should do this or do that or whatever. And due to that state of growing up in that cultural environment, we become emotionally attached to the religion. We'd fight and die for it. Though we may not understand it. Similarly, you will find other religious groups. They, Christians for example, they would fight and die for Christianity. They have fought and died. Emotionally committed. But intellectually, they believe that God became a man. Which intellectually may be looked at as something nonsensical. You don't understand the difference between God and man. That you could believe that God became a man. Or the Hindus. Who may fight and die. 
kill Muslims for eating a cow over their faith, they feel it's in defense of their faith but their faith teaches them that God became a rat you know, or a cow or whatever else we say this is intellectually bankrupt because they haven't thought it out common sense should tell them no this is not the case That's because emotions come first after that there may be some intellectual argument and they may be very sincere in their beliefs but after that they may bring some intellectual arguments to defend their faith so when you ask the educated Hindu how could you worship an idol a statue you ring a bell to wake him up in the morning give him a bath then you put him and put food in front of him which you know he's not going to eat and you worship that how? well intellectually he defends it by saying listen you know Actually, I'm not worshipping that idol that you see. I'm worshipping God, the one God, who becomes concentrated in that idol at the time of my worship. So he has an intellectual argument to defend. Doing the nonsensical. Now the average Hindu, you go in the village, you ask him, he say, yeah, I'm worshipping the idol. No problem. That's just tradition, custom, and that's how we worship. Similarly, of course, the Christians, they will explain about how they're worshipping Jesus, because Jesus is the Son of God, and He's God at the same time, and He's God's spirit and mixture of spirit, Son, God, Man, he has his intellectual arguments. For us as Muslims, there is a proper order that we should follow. If we are to grasp the core of our faith. And that order is to understand the faith intellectually to commit to it emotionally and to be spiritually living living spiritually in accordance with his teachings sincerely so we have in intellectual level which deals with our own brain, our thinking, how we reason things out logical, etc. How Allah created us it makes sense and then we should have having been intellectually convinced about it we should develop an emotional attachment to it, we should be committed to it as faith.
And then that intellectual understanding strengthened by emotional commitment should produce in us a sincere belief. That's the goal. The goal is sincere belief. So, if we go back now to our core of faith, La ilaha illallah. This core is usually translated as there is no God but Allah. There is no God but Allah. However, when we look around in the world around us, there are many gods. Hindus have many gods. Christians have God as a man. Mary is looked at as the mother of God. And the mother of God must be a God. And Buddhists, Confucianists, everybody has gods. So there are many gods other than Allah. So that literal translation, there is no God but Allah, has to be understood not as it literally indicates, but as it is meant to be understood in Islam, according to Islam. And according to Islam, that declaration of faith, La ilaha illallah, states that there is no God worthy of worship besides or but Allah. This is the correct understanding. There are many gods, but there is only one true God deserving our worship who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the correct understanding. Now, as I said, we have to begin to understand this core intellectually. First we've understood the meaning of the basic statement, La ilaha illallah. After that, intellectually, our understanding should be based on knowledge. Meaning, knowledge first. Knowledge should come first. And we have from Rasulullah sallallahu and from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, clear statements indicating just that. We have in Surah Muhammad, 47th chapter, verse 19, Allah says there, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Know, have knowledge, be clear in your knowledge that none has the right to be worshipped besides Allah. Allah states it there in no uncertain terms. We should know it. 
know what it means. Also, Prophet Muhammad had said, whoever dies knowing that none has the right to be worshipped, but Allah will enter paradise. So though the Prophet said, whoever said La ilaha illallah will enter paradise, he also said, whoever dies knowing that none has the right to be worshipped besides Allah. So if you said La ilaha illallah, but you didn't know that none has the right to be worshipped beside Allah, means you could be worshipping other than Allah. Like a Christian, a Christian says, La ilaha illallah, you know, he's gonna die, and people run to him and say, please say, say La ilaha illallah before you die, please say La ilaha He doesn't know what La ilaha illallah means. But he says, okay, La ilaha illallah. That will take him to paradise? No. It won't. Because he doesn't know what la ilaha illallah means. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger made it clear to us that we must understand what la ilaha illallah means for it to benefit us when we say it. And of course, that has to do with who Allah is. We have to have knowledge of who Allah is. And who Allah isn't. If we don't know who Allah is, then how can we worship Him properly? And if we look at the Qur'an, a third of the Qur'an is dedicated to what? To clarifying to us who Allah is. When the Quraysh asked the Prophet ﷺ, because the Quraysh, the Arabs, they're very much into the the, uh, genealogy. Who was your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-great? You know, they would boast amongst each other about their lineage. So on one occasion they asked the Prophet ﷺ, tell us the lineage of your God. The God who you worship, what's his lineage? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, what? قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ اللَّهُ السَّمَدٍ لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ this was in response to that request or challenge of the Quraysh, the Arabs of Mecca, to Prophet Muhammad. So Allah clarified to them through His Messenger, through that revelation, that Allah is one. And uniquely one. Not just one, but uniquely one. He didn't say, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ وَاحِدْ Could have said that too. Wahid is one of his names, Al-Wahid. But instead he said, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ 
The difference between wahid and ahad is that wahid is like saying, I have one pen. But you can say, I have one pen. You can say, I have one pen. You can say, I have one pen. But when we say ahad, it means the only one. It's one pen like which there is no other. La ahad fil bayt. That's it. What? Nobody's there. So, this ahadiyah is unique to Allah. Everything else, there are twos, threes, fours, others like that. Everything else. Everything else in creation has something similar to it. Whereas in the case of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, there is nothing else like Him. End of story. The rest of the surah is just further explaining that. Allahu samad, you know, He has no need for anything else. Everything depends on Him. Lam yalid, He wasn't, doesn't give birth. Walam yulad, He wasn't born because everything else gives birth, it's born. Walam yakullahu kufuan ahad. And that's just a repetition of the exact statement in the beginning. Kul huwallahu ahad, walam yakullahu kufuan ahad. So that described who Allah is. And it's critical to understand. Because if you've understood who Allah is from that perspective, for example, then there's no way that you could accept that Jesus was the Son of God. Means God gave birth. And since Jesus was God, because not only do they say He's the Son of God, they say He is God. And he's saying that God was born. These are all the attributes of creation. Like which there are many other. So, understanding Allah is special and critical to believing truly and correctly in La ilaha. The Jews are the closest to our belief in that the Torah still has clear statements. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. He alone shall you worship and so on and so forth. There is a lot of stress on the oneness of God. However, at the same time, you will find references to God falling asleep. He created the world in six days. And what did he do on the seventh? He rested. Is that God? God gets tired after all that hard work and so he needs to take a rest. And you will find references where it mentions that God repented for what he thought 
to require the Israelites to do. He wanted to make them do something, but he realized it wasn't good, so he repented. God repents. Nonsense. It's nonsense. Jacob, according to them, the name given to him was Israel. And Israel means the one who wrestled with God. That's what it means. In Hebrew, Israel means the one who wrestled with God. And according to the Torah, he won. Not only did he wrestle with God, but he beat him. So, what kind of God is this? To, to accept those concepts, you cannot have understood who God is. So even though they do speak of that one God, in a way close to what we speak of, their understanding of his oneness does not exclude things which make him less than God. And of course, we have errors in the Muslim Ummah today, where in many parts of the world we find Muslims going to shrines like Ajmer, right, in India. Millions. The numbers of people who go for go to pilgrimage to, to Ajmer are more than the number of people who go for Hajj. Not at one time, because they were coming throughout the year, but if you add them up, it's more. And what's going on in Ajmer? People are going there and praying to the individual who was buried there. Believing that he can answer their prayers. They write notes and they will put it inside of them. They tie things on the bars around it. And you'll feel, see mixed with them Hindus coming doing the same thing, writing and putting it. There was a documentary that they made, BBC, and they were asking the Hindus, they met something, why are we going? This is a Muslim. Said, ah, it's all good. He's close to God. It's all the same. And when you go to the shrines of the Hindus, you'll find Muslims there too. Doing as they did. They haven't understood who Allah is. Allah made it very clear that you have to call on Him. If you call on anyone else besides Him, they will not answer your prayers. They cannot. They don't have the means. They haven't understood who Allah is. So there is the critical nature of knowledge at its most basic level. You haven't understood who Allah is, then it's likely you're not going to be worshipping Him. You'll be worshipping everything else besides Him or along with Him.
That intellectual understanding of who Allah is should be qualified in that we not only understand who He is, but we have no doubt about Him. We understand who He is, and we have certainty, yaqeen, certainty along with it. For la ilaha illallah to benefit us. If we don't have certainty, then we have a problem. Right? Because the Prophet ﷺ had said, whoever bears witness that none has the right to be worshipped but Allah, and that I am the messenger of Allah, and meets Allah having no doubt in this, then Allah will put him or her in paradise. They meet Allah with that having no doubt. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had said in Surah Al-Hujurat, verse 15, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ ثُمَّ لَمْ يَرْتَابُوا Indeed the believers are only those who believe in Allah and His Messenger, then do not have any wavering doubt. ثُمَّ لَمْ يَرْتَابُوا Rave. Doubt. They don't have this doubt. So, what that excludes are what we call the conditional Muslims. The, the Muslims, or we could call them precautionary Muslims. Precautionary Muslims are those who worship Allah based on doubt. They're not sure that there really is Allah. But just in case there is, we'll do a few prayers, we'll fast occasionally, maybe give some sadaqah, maybe go make umrah, and a hajj, whatever. So they will do these acts of righteousness, their acts of worship, pillars of Islam, not because they have believed, they have that yaqeen, but because they have a doubt. Actually they don't have yaqeen. They're not sure that Allah exists. But it is just a precaution, in case. Now is that precautionary worship useful? Will it benefit them before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Of course not. Worship based on precaution is of no value. They're only fooling themselves. As if they could fool Allah. So, on the day of judgment, they can say, Oh, but oh Allah, I, I did pray a few times. You know? I'm a Friday Muslim. 
or a Ramadan Muslim, part-time Muslim, that's not going to work. That's the bottom line. It's just not going to work. So, certainty is the qualifier for our knowledge. Our knowledge of Allah and His oneness is such that we should be, it should be in such a way that we are certain about who He is and who we are worshipping. At the same time, yeah, at, at the same time, <clears throat> Prophet Muhammad, in order to clarify for that certainty, he pointed out that it is not only enough to recognize Allah and worship Him, but we also have to reject the worship of other than Him. This has to be connected to it. And that's why that declaration of faith says, La ilaha, that's one condition, there is no true God, illallah except Allah. It has a negation and an affirmation. It negates the existence of other than Allah and it affirms the existence only of Allah. So, as a result of that, one of the, uh, you could call it, um, qualifiers for this aspect of faith is that we have to disbelieve in Whatever is worshipped other than Allah. So sometimes the Prophet Muhammad when he was uh, teaching or bringing people into Islam who were coming from a Christian type background, were influenced by that, he would add to our regular shahada. Regular shahada is La ilaha Allah Muhammad Rasulullah or Ashhadu La ilaha Allah Shahadu Muhammad Rasulullah. I bear witness there is no God worthy of worship but Allah, and that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah. He would add, and that Isa was a messenger of Allah. And a word, kun, fayakun, from Allah, that was bestowed on Mary or Maryam. He added this, that the person has to affirm that Prophet Isa was also a messenger of Allah. And we find also in Surah Al-Baqarah, uh, verse 256, where Allah says there, Whoever disbelieves in false gods and believes in Allah has indeed taken hold of the trustworthy handhold. Whoever disbelieves in false gods. He made this a condition. We have to reject the false gods. So, 
this uh, links with our belief, our correct, intellectually understood belief in who Allah is and that He alone deserves to be worshipped. Because we know that Christians hold that Allah is one, but they also worship Jesus. And Hindus hold that Brahman was one, is one. But at the same time, they believe that he becomes manifest, you know, in human beings as avatars. Avatar is God who became man. You have God also, according to them, incarnating, becoming a living being in the form of a tortoise. And that's called kurma. And in the form of a fish, called matsya. And in the form of a boar, a pig, wild pig, called varaha. And so on and so forth. So though they're saying there's one God, only one God, that God becomes living beings, created beings, has even a trinity, you have the trinity of Vishnu, the destroyer God, Shiva, uh, sorry, the preserver God, Vishnu is the preserver God, Shiva is the destroyer God, and Brahma, the creator God. You know, these qualities of God become gods themselves, a trinity. So, the belief has to be clear and has to be firm, without doubt. Secondly, that's on the intellectual level knowing who God is. The next level is emotional commitment. That we are emotionally committed to that belief, that understanding. We've understood it intellectually, but that's not enough to complete the faith. If we're not emotionally committed, then it's just an intellectual exercise. We become like shaitan. Shaitan who knew who Allah was. Nobody has any doubt that shaitan understood who Allah was. But when he was commanded to bow before Adam, he refused. So the intellectual aspects were there, he knows. So many verses where Allah talks about this, about shaitan, and shaitan, you know, uh, said, I'm not going to disbelieve in Allah, and so on and so Though he calls human beings to disbelieve, he say, himself, he'll say for himself, no, I'm not, I don't believe, disbelieve in Allah. So intellectually, yes, it's there. But the emotional commitment isn't there. So that led to disbelief. 
So this basic emotional commitment is what? In Arabic they call it hub. Love. That is, that is the highest level of emotional commitment. That we, knowing who Allah is, understanding who He is, with certainty, then we should love Him. We should love Allah. And what did the Prophet ﷺ say about that? That, huh? What did the Prophet ﷺ say about that? He said that none of us has truly believed. Until what? Until Allah and His Messenger become more beloved to him or her than anyone or anything. Beloved. That our love for Allah is greater than our love for the creation. The world that we are created in, the beings that created around us, mother, father, children, all these different things. That our love for Allah would supersede that. And in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah says there, verse 165, And there are some among people who take partners besides Allah, whom they love as they love Allah. But the believers... Love Allah more than anything else. That is the emotional commitment. Because love, this is emotional. It, has not, it is not intellectual. Love is emotional. So this is another level. We as human beings have an intellectual aspect of our being where we reason and understand and do things based on this reasoning and understanding. And then there is an emotional level where we love our parents. It's not out of reasoning and understanding. It's just because they provided for us, they were there for us, so, so we, we develop that emotional attachment. So love may be, as they say, blind. Love is blind. That's why you need to have the intellectual before the love. You know, even if you have the love already, you need to put the intellectual before it. Put it in its place. Make sure otherwise we will be loving the wrong thing. And <clears throat> what comes with that love is that based on that love, we should submit ourselves. Submission should come along with it. If the love is real, then we should submit. Submit ourselves. Why? Because true love requires submission. Submission meaning what you're asked to do, you will be do. You'll do. That's real love. You know, you tell your parents, I love you, mom. But every time she asks you to do something, you say, no, I'm too tired, I'm, I'm busy, I, I got this to do, I have that. No. Jeez, what kind of love is this? 
You're not responding to her requests. If you really loved her, you would do whatever she asked you to do. That's real. We all realize that. And that's why Allah, in so many places in the Quran, talks about that submission. وَمَنْ أَحْسُنُ دِينًا مِمَّنْ أَسْلَمَ وَجْهَهُ لِلَّهِ وَهُوَ مُحْسِنٌ and whoever is better, and who is better in religion than one who submits himself, aslama wajhahu lillah, who submits himself to Allah while doing good. We, we see many verses in the Quran which speak about that submission. The second uh, quality that comes from love is acceptance it comes from love not only do you submit but you accept that submission you accept to submit yourself willingly as Allah said in Surah Al-Ahzab verse 36 وَمَا كَانَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَا إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ It is not for a believer, believing man or woman, when Allah said, and His Messenger have decreed a matter, that they should have any option in their decision. There's no room for any option in their decision. That is acceptance. They accept what Allah has commanded them to do. <clears throat> and we also find in Surah Nisa, verse 65, فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوا حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِي مَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا مِمَّا قَضَيْتَ وَيُسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا But no, by your Lord, they have no real faith until they make you the judge in all disputes between them and find in their souls no resistance against your decisions but accept them with the fullest conviction. Acceptance with the fullest conviction. This is what Allah asks of us. The third level, the third level, we said, is the spiritual level. The first was intellectual, the second was emotional, and the third now is spiritual. Having understood who Allah is and committed ourselves to that understanding. Loving Allah, submitting ourselves to Him. Then out of that comes the true spirit of belief. And that true spirit of belief is manifest in what is known as ikhlas that that belief is sincere. 
truly sincere. It's not blind sincerity that we talked about others have. They have not understood who Allah is, but they are sincere. It's useless. It is sincerity based on knowledge, true love, desire to submit based on that knowledge. Now that produces in the individual sincerity. Indeed, sincerity in religion is for Allah alone. This is what Allah says. This is the goal. We said in the very beginning, the goal is sincerity. And they were not ordered except to worship Allah sincerely, making all religion for Him alone. And the Prophet ﷺ had also said, in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, the person who will be most pleased with my intercession is the one who says, none has the right to be worshipped but Allah sincerely from his heart. Sincerely from his heart. Without that, there is no intercession. Allah, The Prophet Muhammad will not be permitted by Allah to intercede for us. So that sincerity is critical. And that sincerity negates riya, meaning that we worship Allah in various ways to gain the praise of others. Riya, that is the opposite. So that has to be negated. That sincerity negates that worshiping for praise doing acts of worship in their various forms for praise. Because acts of Riya destroy righteous deeds. So the goal, Ikhlas, can only be achieved if we have the ikhlas that is acceptable to Allah, if we have the correct understanding, followed by also the correct uh, commitment, emotionally correct, and an additional characteristic which Allah and His Messenger added, we are truthful in those commitments and those beliefs. The Prophet Sallallahu had said, whoever bears witness truthfully from his heart that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad is a slave and messenger, Allah will, without fail, make hellfire forbidden for him. If he has said it truthfully, sincerely, and truthfully. Because technically speaking, you could be sincere, but what you are sincere about is not based on truth. Is actually falsehood. So, 
These are the three levels of faith, the core of our faith, the flag of our faith, that we believe in Allah first and foremost intellectually. Secondly, we are emotionally committed to that belief. And thirdly, that we act on that belief with such sincerity that it is true and it is real and that is what is acceptable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and will give us, as the Prophet promised, paradise for having said La ilaha illallah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the reality of the declaration of faith and that we die upon this reality. Seeking knowledge and obligation made easy. Thought about studying for a long time? Tuition fees keeping you from actually starting? Islamic Online University has led a revolution in online learning. The world's first tuition-free degree, BA in Islamic Studies. Access to the knowledge, any place, anytime, anywhere. It just doesn't get any easier than that. Classes, texts, assignments, completely online. Set your own schedule for the semester. No overseas travel required for the exams. Subjects taught by qualified English-speaking scholars. Weekly live sessions in virtual classrooms. With curricula based on those in El Medina University in Saudi Arabia, El Azhar University in Cairo, and other reputable institutions around the world. Why wait any longer? You pay just a symbolic registration fee and are ready to begin the adventure of higher education. The most diverse student body of any university in the world. 130,000 plus registered students from 217 countries. Log in to the website for more details. www.islamiconlineuniversity.com